Yeah, I, I was going to say that I never tire of watching Muddy videos. Apparently, you don't either. Yeah, yeah, bloopers like that. I mean, that's the stuff memories are made of, right? I mean, 30 years later, what you talk about is that kind of stuff, right? I have an aunt who's 92 years old. She was married for 74 years. Her um, husband just recently died. And when you talk with her, she almost always remembers her wedding 74 years ago. And she always talks about the things that went wrong, like the ring bear holding his pillow and a fly landed on his nose and he didn't know what to do and that sort of thing. Well, ladies, let me ask you a question. When you were a little girl or maybe a teen or a young adult or maybe even today, did you ever fantasize about what your wedding would be like, what it would be like walking down the aisle or that perfect dress that you were going to wear or what Prince Charming was going to look like at the front of the church or what the church or the wedding venue was going to look like and how it was going to be decorated or maybe even you thought to what your first house would be or what the names of your kids would be. Most ladies would say that they dream about that at one time or another. And men, you thought about other things, didn't you? Like what was going to happen after the wedding was over, right? Right. You say, did he just say that? Yeah, I just said that. Sorry, it's true. Anyway, sometimes reality falls short of our expectations and dreams. Or, you know, there's even something like post-wedding depression where we, we build up so much for that day and when it's over, you, you can actually feel depressed and after months and years, sometimes you're left thinking, should I have married a different person? Or you're left thinking, what if circumstances were different? Now, let's be honest. Getting married is really scary. This won't surprise you because you've probably heard this, but statistics would say that one out of two marriages will end in divorce. 50% of all marriages end in divorce. That's horrifying, isn't it? If you think about it, any other area of life, if you knew you had a 50-50 shot, you would be so intentional to prepare for that, right? Suppose when you left here the day, if you're a parent, you have small children, you hear that the statistics of you having a car wreck on the way home are 50-50. Half the time you're going to have one. When you put your kids in the car, you're going to strap them in extra tight, right? You're probably going to put a helmet over their heads. You're going to pack pillows around them. And you're going to drive home on country roads, and you're going to drive 20 miles an hour. Or suppose you knew that if you went out to your mailbox to pick up your mail one day, you had a 50% chance of getting attacked by a bear. Now, before you dismiss that, you do know, I've told you this before, that there have been sightings of bears in southern Indiana, okay? But just suppose walking out to your mailbox, you had a 50% chance of getting attacked by a bear. You might think, well, then I'm just not going to go get my mail. What if you knew there was a $100,000 check waiting for you in the mail? What would you do? Well, you would probably put on a full suit of armor, right? You'd carry a gun, a big gun, and you'd have your head on a swivel. So if the odds are that great that your marriage will not last, should we consider being more prepared? Yes. Yes. 
Yes. Yes, we should. I mean, no one gets married who doesn't want to go the distance, right? That is in part why this series. That's one of the reasons for this series, to talk about this very thing. And I think you'll find that everyone can connect with this series in one way or another. If you're married, perhaps this will help you identify something you can focus on or show you where a problem is. If you have been married, perhaps this will help you just evaluate and move forward. If you've never been married but would like to be married, this, will be, this series will be great preparation for you. If you're single, maybe you're single by choice even, I think you'll find that the principles we give in this series will be helpful to you too because they can apply in any of our relationships with life. Now, we're going to base this series called Messy, How to Family Better, on the book of Proverbs in the Bible. The book of Proverbs is a book that just teaches you how to be wise. I like to say that the book of Proverbs helps you make life work. And it's fascinating, it's intriguing to read the book of Proverbs because you'll come to these little short statements, these little Proverbs, and one will be very profound. You'll find one that just seems kind of random, that it doesn't match with the topic that was just presented, or maybe you'll find some to be humorous. Some of them are pretty uncensored, just to be honest with you. Let me give you two or three examples of some of the Proverbs. For example, this is Proverbs 25, 17. This one puts a smile on my face. Don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome. <laughs> Practical advice, isn't it? All right, check out this next one. This is Proverbs 26, verse 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Yeah, that's actually in the Bible. Kind of graphic, isn't it? You're like, really? It says that? Yeah, but you won't forget it, will you? You got this one etched in your memory forever now. And it's true, isn't it? If you really think about it. Or, or how about this one? Um, this is the same chapter, Proverbs 26. Verse 17, it says, interfering with someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking on a dog's ears, unless you have a golden retriever, all right? We do at our house, and so I was telling my son that I was going to use this verse this week, so he decided to try it out. If you yank on a golden retriever's ears, they'll just turn around and want to play, because any attention to a golden retriever is good attention, all right? They don't care if it's good or bad, they like any attention. Um, at all. But, you know, you think about the principle there. Dogs probably don't like you to yank on their ears. You may get bit, and that's what they're saying. Don't interfere with someone's argument. So, the Proverbs are very picturesque, and they have a lot to say about the family. So, what we're going to start today is with this topic of finding the one. And we're going to look at just one sentence from the book of Proverbs, and that's going to lay the foundation for what we're going to talk about related to marriage. Now, parents, Disney has a way of teaching your kids that they are to find the one. They do that in the fairy tales and the love stories with the princesses and so on, right? And like there's that perfect one out there for you, that person that will complete you, your soulmate. When you look at them, you hear a song, right? They will make you happy forever if you find them. I want us to begin to think differently 
about that. I want us to be able to begin to think in a way so that you won't be saying to your friends, I just met the one. He's adorable and cute. He even has a job. (laughs) You know, he's not like that one before who was addicted to his PS4. He doesn't even know what a video game is. Or maybe, guys, you're saying, she's amazing. She's beautiful and fun to hang out with, and she likes what I like. I think she is the one. Here's how I want us to change our thinking this morning. It's based on a verse. In fact, it's based on just one sentence, like I said, that we want to focus on from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 19.14, but it's going to lay the foundation for having a healthy relationship in marriage, and really it lays the foundation for any healthy relationship. At first, it may seem a little counterintuitive, so you'll have to hang with me on this. And our thinking should go something like this. She is a remarkable person. I respect him or her a lot, but she or he is not my first priority. I have already met the one, but I'd like to make this person I've met number two. (laughs) Nobody says that, right? I mean, don't try that out if you're dating, please. (laughs) But hear me out on this, all right? So we're not misunderstood. Here's Proverbs 19.14. It says this, Only the Lord can give an understanding wife. Now, it's important to know that when you read Proverbs, it's often written from a male perspective. And here's why. Many of the Proverbs were written by a father to his son. And he's giving his son advice or wisdom about life. So, for example, many of the chapters, especially early in the book of Proverbs, start out by saying the words, my son. But the principles in Proverbs apply to everyone. So often you can substitute the word son for children, or you can substitute the word wife for spouse. So what we are reading are things that a mom or a dad might say to their son or to their daughter. And so when you read Proverbs 19, 14, we could easily read these words. Only the Lord can give an understanding spouse. Here's the point. In order to have a marriage that not only lasts but is fulfilling, you need to find the one That one is God. The foundation of our relationship in marriage is our own personal relationship with God. So whether you're looking to date, you're dating now, or you're already married, here's the first principle that I want us to get this morning, and it's this. Finding the one means making my relationship with God my first priority. And whether you're married or whether you're single, this principle holds true. You don't even really need to be a follower of Jesus for this principle to hold true. And I'll build a case for that as we go. If you're like me, when you hear statements like that, you may ask a lot of why questions. My wife would say that I used to drive her crazy with my why questions. And either she's gotten used to them or she just ignores me because we've been married for so many years. But i got to know the purpose or the reason behind something. So the question I ask is this, why would my relationship with God make a difference? Why should that be my first priority? Like 
my spouse or the person I'm dating is going to buy into that, right? Now, like I said earlier, I'm not suggesting you go home today and tell your spouse, hey, from now on, you're going to be number two in my life, just so you know. But if you will make God your top priority, it will change your relationship with your spouse or your future spouse in positive ways that they will notice. They'll actually like being number two. Why is that? Well, for one, if you go into a dating relationship or if you go into marriage thinking that your spouse has to meet all your needs or will meet all your needs, you set yourself up to fail. You are asking him or her to do only what God can do. But once you find that fulfillment or completeness in your relationship with God, then you can become the kind of person that leads to fulfillment in marriage. What you need in a spouse is someone who is healthy and whole. Why? Because it makes that marriage so much better. I mean, I'm a better husband today than I was 20 years ago. Why? Because I'm such a good guy? No. It's because of how God has changed me through the years. I can't imagine what my life would be like if it wasn't for my relationship with God. But I will tell you this. I honestly believe I would be a horrible father and husband without it. Now, most of you see me as a pastor. So you probably have this image of me that I'm a pretty good guy. You don't know me like I do. You don't see what's inside of me. You don't see what could have been apart from God changing me. My wife gets occasional glimpses of the dark Jerry. <laughs> like when I'm driving. Like when I'm talking to tech support on the phone after I've been on hold for 30 minutes and I can't understand what they're saying and they're not helping me solve my problem. Or like when I'm tired or stressed and am short with her or with others. That's the dark cherry. And we have a teaching team here at the church, and they evaluate our sermons before and after and so on. They wanted me to go a little deeper and tell you some stories about the dark Jerry this morning, all right? <laughs> they were, Tuesday when we met, they were pushing for that pretty hard. But I'm looking at the clock right now, and we just don't have time, all right? <laughs> we'll, co we'll come back to it at some point. My small group could tell you stories about the dark Jerry, because I opened up with them a little bit. Almost any patience or kindness that you see in me is only because of what God has done in my life. I'm not kidding here. I'm not trying to be falsely humble. That's just the truth. So apart from my relationship with God, I'm a lousy husband. And when you become a follower of Jesus, one of God's amazing promises to us is that he gives us his spirit to live in us and to change us. His spirit will stay with us for as long as we live and will keep changing us. Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23 tell us what kind of changes God's spirit is continually trying to make in our lives as we surrender to him. Here are nine characteristics uh, that are listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Let me read them to you. They say this, but the whole, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Now, do you see those nine characteristics? Ladies, if I were to say to you, you can marry someone who is incredibly loving, fun to be with, calm, patient, kind, a good person, faithful, gentle, and self-control, how would you respond? You would say, there isn't a guy like that, right? That's true. But hopefully you would say, sign me up. Nobody's perfect. But how do you find a man or a woman who's at least trending in that direction? You have to find a person who puts God first in his or her life. So you can find the one, and that one is Jesus Christ. Your relationship with him will give you the capacity to be the kind of wife or the husband or mother or father or friend or coworker that you should be. That personal relationship with him comes when we make that decision to surrender our lives to him and let him lead our lives. And if you've never done that, you can make that decision in your heart even today. So, finding the one means making my relationship with God my first priority. Here's another principle. It's this. Finding the one means becoming the one. If you are looking to get married, become the person you are looking for. If you're already married, instead of asking, what can I change about my spouse? Ask yourself this question, how can I change? Your, your first priority is your relationship with God. And as you first pursue that, then he'll begin to prepare you, and then you can trust him to bring that person into your life. Or if you're struggling in your marriage today, your prayer can be, God, I'm asking you to show me what I need to do to bring changes in my life, in my marriage. I can't stress this enough. Our focus is usually on finding the right person to marry, and that is important. Or our focus is on our, how my spouse needs to change and how he or she needs to become a different person. But Proverbs 19.14 is telling us that we need to focus on becoming the right person because only God can give us an understanding spouse. Only God can give us the right spouse. Only God can genuinely change our spouse. Finally, here's a third principle, and it's this. Finding the one means protecting my priorities. Listen closely. It's often not the bad things that destroy a marriage. Frequently, it's the good things that are just out of place. Your priorities have to be God first and my spouse second. And when we say spouse second, that's not to diminish them as a priority. On the contrary, that's to elevate them to their rightful place. Other than God, your spouse should be the most important person in your life. Not your children, not your parents, not your job, your coworkers, not your friends. 
This principle actually applies to all of us, married or single. It's pretty easy to put something else ahead of your relationship with God, right? Like another relationship, a job, what you do for recreation, material things. And if you are struggling in your marriage in some way, way you can often trace the root of your, uh, to that of your priorities being misaligned. We're not putting God first. We're not seeking him first then we're often not making our spouse our second priority. In fact, if you want to blend the two priorities the way God intends it, you can. You know, start attending church together, serve God together at church, pray together, read the Bible together, center your lives together around the Bible, and watch what will happen to your relationship. Now, let's get practical. Um, My wife Janet and I have three adult children but it doesn't seem like we're that far removed from having little kids. And I can remember coming home at night, and because the kids were bouncing off the wall, so was Janet, you know. And I can remember on more than one occasion when I would come home at night that the kids had been full of life and energy that day. That's a nice way of saying it. And when I walked in the door, I could see that Janet's eyes were just about glazed over. And I knew that I needed to grab a kid or two and head out the door to the playground to give her a break to wear them out. And I remember what those days are like. I can remember when all three of our kids were very active in sports. There was a time where my daughter was playing golf in college, and it's a spring and a fall sport in college. We would travel to golf matches out of town and often out of state. Our middle child, a son, was in high school. He was playing basketball in golf. And our youngest was also in high school and playing football and baseball. And we would have to sit down and plan out the month. Sometimes we took it a week at a time. You go here, I'll go there. Our daughter's golf team stayed overnight at our house one time when she was in college. And we noticed that there were a couple of girls whispering to each other. So we asked our daughter, Melanie, what was up? And Melanie laughed and said, oh, they thought you were divorced because you never show up to a golf match on the same day. (laughs) And that was actually true. Janet would show up one day and I might show up the next. But that's because we were trying to juggle our schedules with our other kids and their activities. Now, how did we manage all that? Not always very well. But Janet and I always tried to make sure that we had a foundation of being committed to each other for life, no matter what. We got that from our relationship with God. So we didn't want to enter the years when our kids were growing with our marriage relationship dying. We also did our best to make church, youth group, church activities a priority for our family because we wanted to prioritize our relationship with God as a family. And as hectic as those years were looking back with the kids, I honestly wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. We enjoyed them. Kids were important, but they weren't our top two priorities. Our priorities were God first and each other. So we scheduled time for each other. Sometimes we even had getaways, just the two of us. We still talked regularly about meaningful stuff during that time. We ate our meals together when we could, and we found fun things to do together, just the two of us. So today, when our kids are grown, we still love spending time with each other. There's no one on earth I'd rather spend time with than my wife. So don't be child-centered in your marriage. 
Children are important. Children are a gift from God. But if you want to love your kids, prioritize your relationship with God and with each other. One of the best ways you can be a blessing to your children and provide them security and stability is to strengthen your marriage. You love your kids by loving your spouse well. Children are a temporary assignment. 18 years, maybe 22 years, some cases 30 years. <laughs> but marriage is till death do us part, not until I'm not happy anymore, until he or she's not meeting my needs anymore, till death do us part. That's what a God-honoring covenant looks like. That means you have to protect your priorities. Or maybe your priority has become your job. Maybe it's not kids. Maybe it's your job, your career. Don't do it. God won, spouse two. Or if you're single, then your relationship with God first, then my relationship with others, friend, coworker, family, the person I'm dating, second. When people come to the end of this life and they're about to die, what do they almost every time tell you, will tell you that what matters most? Two things, usually. Relationship with God, relationships with others, those close to them, often their family. So how do you make your relationship with God and then your spouse a priority? Let's talk about how to do that with your spouse here. Time is one of the best ways. When you were dating, you were always looking to spend time with that person. When we get married, the busyness of life can crowd that out. Again, it's often not the bad stuff. It's the busy stuff that gets in the way of our marriage. Schedule time each day with your spouse. Even if it's just 15 minutes, put your phones away and discuss meaningful stuff. Weekly, then, schedule time with him or her. Let's call it a date. It doesn't even have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It doesn't have to be on Friday or Saturday night. It could just be lunch together once a week. It could be a Saturday morning walk. But it allows for meaningful conversation. Protect your priorities at all costs. While you don't automatically grow closer just by spending time with a person, you're almost guaranteed to drift apart if you don't spend time with them. Maybe it's a little thing because this is how they know you love them, like a kiss when you leave in the morning or offering to load the dishwasher, give the kids a bath, writing a love note bringing home some flowers, fixing their favorite meal. Be intentional about expressing your love and your commitment. Because if you want to lay a foundation for your relationships and for your life, make God priority number one. Why? Because only God, only the Lord, can give an understanding spouse. Then make your spouse number two.